This is Two Blokes Talking Electric Cars with Stephen Fennec and Trevor Long. Thanks to NRMA Insurance and Uniden. Great to have your company, Trevor Long and Stephen Fennec talking electric cars each and every week. Thanks to the great people who bring you this show, NRMA Insurance, helping over 3 million people across Australia protect the things that they care about. And Uniden, smart dash cams. Doesn't matter what sort of car you've got. Electric, hybrid, plug-in hybrid, petrol, diesel. It's a car. And a dash cam will keep it safe because it'll give you the knowledge of what happened on the road or even while you're parking. And that's what you get with a Unidense Smart Dash Cam. Stephen Fennick, good day to you. Good day there, mate. we uh, got a lot to unpack in the show today. We're talking about uh, what affects the range of your vehicle. That's yeah. a question we range is a very, very uh, often asked <laughs> it's question. It's not a defined number, is no, it? No, and it uh, can vary. And we're going to talk about the factors that do that can change that range. I need to bring up a sad topic, and I need to, need to gauge your sadness around some decisions Mercedes have made. Yeah. We are also going to talk to another electric car owner, but this is different. And I want to, we want to dig more into this over the weeks ahead. The plug-in hybrids. Yeah. Because not everyone wants for or has a need for or is ready for a full electric car. So we're going to talk to an owner of a plug-in hybrid electric car soon yeah. too. And uh, I've also gotten behind the wheel of the Volvo XC40, uh, the all-electric SUV, which we'll talk about a bit later too. It's uh, oh, I quite enjoy driving that one. Lots to come on Two Blokes Talking Electric Cars, thanks to NRMA Insurance and Union and Smart Dash Cams. But, Stephen, you're right. Range... Is it's it's the answer to the question is how long's a piece of string? Yeah, and it's it's a weird thing for people to adjust to because, you know, you would expect to know how far a car is going to drive, yeah. but actually, it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone because batteries of all types are affected by much of these same things. So the first and most important thing I think that's worth raising, and I've touched on this before, and long-term listeners of other programs will know. Yep, I learned about weather the hard way. <laughs> the temperature at which you are yeah. driving, so that the climate around you can yeah. have a dramatic impact. And in fact, if you look closely on any car website selling these things, there'll be a little asterisk that'll say weather conditions, climate control, different yeah. And the big concern there is you can lose around 25% of the perceived range of a vehicle in extreme conditions. Normally, we talk about extreme cold. Yeah. Extreme heat can also affect... So both ends, so heat and cold can affect the range. Heat heat not as dramatically right. as I understand it. Okay. Cold, 100% dramatically. I can remember when I bought my Tesla, um, The I, I decided to get the windows tinted. Mm-hmm. And the one of the, the guy at the tinting place, who did a great job, he said that ma- maintaining the temperature, the heat inside your car, if you can keep the heat out, it means the air conditioner has less work to do, yes. which adds up to uh, less strain on the battery. Well, we'll talk about climate yeah. control yeah. in a minute, but that's actually different. Right. Because I, I talking to someone the other day about this very fact about range on a, on a battery vehicle, and they said, oh, that makes sense. Because I remember having, you know, I was in snow in New York with a, you know, years ago with a digital camera, and it lasted like two shots. Yeah. And then I'd put, it, put the battery in my pocket. It would warm up. And then it would work again. Okay. So it's the battery technology in the car, yeah. if cool, just simply does not have the ability to disperse and dispense yeah. electricity, right? So if you've see, got a 500k yeah. range car, yeah. you could lose like 50k's of range just because you woke up and it was 10 degrees outside yeah. or 4 degrees outside but instead of 25. What about in parts of the US and Europe where yes. it's snowing? Like they, they have like it's minus 20. Like I'd be keen to see the the percentage of EV sales in those yeah, pop, in those cities where the, that, 
people would be is the is the assumption oh well look it's if it's gonna if it's because it's so cold an EV is really not the right option right and, now and that is why yeah. the Hyundai Ionic that we drove to Bathurst yep. broke down it was snowing yeah. it was snowing uh, outside of Bathurst it was cold and that is why it did not have the range to you make learned it. the hard way I learned the absolute yeah. hard way but then yeah. you, you you bring up an amazing point about climate control yeah and I think this is a very contentious issue yeah because I don't think it sh- it should be a factor for people. I don't think anyone should have to turn off their climate control no, just no, because they want either. to go for a drive. But no, I, I think so. And and when I was mentioning before the guy who tinted my windows, and I think he he sort of look every his his approach was look every little bit counts. Hundred percent. So if you can save a few percent, that that could that could help you on a long drive. It might not, but I think if you Oh, like like you said, I would never turn off my AC to save a one percent on my battery. No. I drive with the AC on. I want to be comfortable no matter what. Mm. I think some vehicles, uh, the Tesla included, if you are down to single percentage and really low on the battery, yes. things kick oh, in. They all do to it. say, well, okay, yeah. well, you're in. You, I think even on a Tesla, if you're below twenty percent, sentry mode won't work, and right. all these features don't work when you get below Mate, a certain you know, temperature. I can tell you, in a Hyundai Ionic, all the screens go off <laughs> at about one yeah, percent because every everything counts, right? But yeah. but the thing is, this applies. So batteries. The range thing, that's unique to electric cars. Yeah. But having your air conditioning running also affects the the fuel efficiency of a petrol car. Yeah. So it's actually not a that's new That's a thing. good point. Things we're talking about here that affect an EV range also affect in a many, petrol car. In some Most cases. of these factors. Mm. And let's talk about the next one. Would that be speed? Yes. And, and like you might be an aggressive driver. You might like to mm. put the foot down. That's going to, just like a petrol car, same deal with an EV. That's going to affect your range as but well. But here's the difference. Aggressive driving, so spurting off the line and that kind of stuff. Yep. In a petrol car, electric car, same thing. Draining. Draining yeah. your fuel levels. But the absolute difference that is a mind shift for people is my big petrol care carnival on a 110-kilometre freeway goes about 8 to 9 litres per 100. Right. But its average is 16.15 because it drives... 20Ks, 5Ks, little little yeah. trips around. So its its city efficiency is quite poor. An electric vehicle is absolutely entirely the opposite. Yeah. So in my Cupra, little car, um, it's pretty efficient. On the highway, you normally, I, I get 19 to 20 kilowatt hours per 100 kilometres. Right. Driving around the city, that could be as low as 12, but broadly yeah. 14, 15. Okay. The fact is that when you're out on the highway, the difference between going 80 kilometres, so in an electric car, and people who haven't driven one don't know this, but that range that appears on the dash yeah. is not a fixed number. It constantly recalculates yeah. based yeah. on what you're doing. If you slow down for 10 minutes and drive at 80, that yeah. will recalculate upwards. You'll see the range yeah. essentially go up right. because it knows that you've slowed down. If you're driving at 110, 120 clicks, yeah. it will diminish the range because it... The car doesn't want you to get to your destination at minus three range. Yeah, it course, needs to kind of, of always be overs. Yeah. But speed is bad for batteries. Right. What about terrain? You drive to your mum's oh, in, yeah. the, in the in the where, at in Walker the Road. So you uh, are often is it uphill or downhill? Going there is it more uphill? So the terrain, it's you're going fascinating up. because you yeah. think to yourself, if I was to imagine that drive in my mind's eye, because I've done it so many times, there's some hills like this, right? Yeah. And and you know the last bit is a bit like this, so I feel like it's uphill, right? Right. 
But it was mind-blowing to me. The yeah. first time I drove the Cooper there that I had to stop once and get charged, and we worked out the efficiency all along the way. But on the way back, we drove all the way home yeah, without stopping because it's more predominantly downhill than it is up. And if you use PlugShare, which we often talk about, on the website, there's like you plan a trip, there's actually a button you can hit for elevation, and it shows you yeah. – on a map, whether it's uphill or downhill, and it can make a significant difference. Percentages, 10% difference if it's all uphill. Some of the cars, as we just said, they can calculate that too. If you're mm. going, if it knows that the elevation is certain from in your, on your journey, it'll work that into the range as I, well. I would yeah. I would anticipate that is yeah. a very luxury feature. I, right. Maybe the Mercedes does that. Yeah. I, I think Tesla would be smart enough to do a bit yeah. of that. But I would net, honestly, I would never rely yeah. on the car understanding anything more than how fast I'm going and how long I've been doing it. Yep. I really wouldn't I really wouldn't rely on a car, even the Kia or the Cupra, to tell me how the range is going to be based on elevation. What about uh, people might not take this into account, uh, your tire pressure? Yeah. I think again that's like yeah. fuel efficiency yeah. in a petrol car. Well that I think there's less drag on the car. That's right. right. Yeah. And if your tires are pumped up to the right pressure it's not sinking into the road and using more power to drive. Yeah, it's a it's a, a little bit better on the even a petrol car. Same deal, EV. And I think normally the rule of thumb is the balance between what they say is the right number. Yeah, and going below that gives you a bit more comfort. Yeah, going above that gives you a little bit more efficiency. Right. So there's this real kind You've of find the zone. The bottom line is though, yeah. it actually is a reminder that you. You meant to check your tire pressures regularly, yeah. you know, and and your car. A lot of cars and probably the more expensive cars yes. can do that for you. <laughs> yes, that's right. They tell you how oh, you need to pump up the your tire pressure and the right right rear tire needs needs to pump it. Does your yeah, car, yeah, the yeah. Cooper, do that? I don't know. I don't think so. No. Okay, yeah, my Mercedes does. So that's um, the, it, at least it's got it. It's, it may mainly not know that because it hasn't had the issue. But I don't true, think yeah, it yeah. does. Oh yeah, but if it's if it's got your back, that's just one of the other factors. Whether you drive an EV or a petrol car, it's a factor. Yeah, exactly. What about uh, payload? If you're carrying or towing. Mm. That's obviously going to, like, the heavier your car. I remember back in the day when, when I was driving a petrol car and I'd never fill my car up to full yeah, because it made the car heavier. Oh, my Lord. And that always used to burn off that top bit of petrol quicker. Was I right <laughs> or was I being an idiot? I mean, I think that's right in a yeah. petrol car. I'd never go full. I don't know that the 10 <laughs> kilos no, extra would make a massive difference. Who knows? But in an EV, yeah. it, I mean, it can make a difference. Yeah. Now. Does again? This goes to the whole. Okay, I'm driving somewhere. Am I going to pack less because I want? No, I'm not. I'm no. just going to do what I can with what I've got. But the big difference is when, like that Ford Transit event I had a few yeah, weeks ago, yeah. if I, I filled that with things, but it wasn't enough, I think, right. for it to have an impact on the payload okay. the, on, on the range. But I think if that was full of hundreds of kilos of packages at the start of a day, yeah, the range or the efficiency of the car at the start of the day would be. Worse than at the end of the day when it's when it's lighter. Right. Towing a caravan, yeah, that's a is whole going to other... diminish your range. Yeah, of by course. many factors, and, and that is also too. Uh, people who are considering an EV often they, they, they like to they've got to tow on a boat, tow yeah. a caravan, and that's a factor. Are you a tower? No, I've never towed. Never towed anything. I mean, I. I my son's just bought a boat. It. My son's got a boat to, to tow. Oh, he, he just bought a boat. Yeah. So where's that going to be parked? Uh, it, well, yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll explain later. But he uh, yes. he drives a Hilux, which is a, a diesel car. But so yeah, it, it's going to affect his diesel. He's going to burn more diesel towing yeah. a big thirteen foot thirteen foot boat. But um, uh, I think it's fourteen foot. 
But anyway, so many questions. The for only our thing other I've podcast. got in my Merc is my, my golf clubs. My golf clubs and my and my buggy. I leave in my car the oh, whole time. I always really? leave them in the car. You never know when me. you want to have a hit. That's right. You never know. And plus, I'm just too lazy to unpack and pack the car. <laughs> I just leave it in there because it's easier. Yeah. I think in the, the thing I want prospective EV owners to know, and those that are, own one and haven't thought about these things, is the real factors that are going to change the day for you is the temperature outside. So you can park the car at 5 o'clock in the afternoon in the driveway at 80% battery with 470 k's range and wake up in the morning on a cold day and it's at 420. And you're thinking, but I didn't drive last night. That's because the car knows it's cold. That's a big deal. And then speed. So temperature of the climate outside of you and the speed that you drive at. And we should also throw in here, because it's a bit different that you don't get on petrol cars, the regeneration. Most cars have the option to say, I want heavy or light regeneration. Some of them are paddles, which is why I made yeah. that gesture. Yep. Um, it's mine. Is the is your Cooper the paddles? Uh, no, it's a, it's a, it's a drive yeah. mode. I've got the paddles. Yeah. If you're on a heavier regeneration, yeah. around town, you're going to get far more range. And in fact, if you can train yourself to be in that heavy regen or iPedal yeah. mode, single pedal mode, you're going to have a remarkable impact on your city driving range yeah. that actually will put you way over the estimate of the manufacturer. Have, I don't know whether I've asked you this before, but have you ever seen, because of heavy regen, seen your battery percentage go up? Mate, yes. I have to. I can charge <laughs> to 80% at home yeah. and drive here to the office and back home, and I'm at 81%. I'm like... What just happened here? Yeah, I just created Cause power because the, the region. Yeah, we've got That's power. <laughs> it's very cool. It is, yeah. but it's a wit. So we go, we often talk about, and we talked about this a few weeks ago when we were talking about like charging. It yeah. is a reset of the mind. Yeah, but I encourage people not to buy into the Facebook groups and the forums where yeah. real not jobs, yeah. real go, go hard on the percentage here and a percentage there yes, because you're at, like it can be a difference between being at 24 degrees climate control and 20 degrees yeah. will make an impact on your range. But, yeah. but if that's the drive you're on, honestly, yeah. I don't know that you should be an electric car. But you got to remember though, the, these things, most of the things we spoke about that affect range also affect petrol yeah. if you have a petrol car. So yeah. you're going to use more fuel if you like nine out of 10 of those things we spoke about are going to have an effect on a petrol car as well. So it's not really just remember that these also affect the, the your fuel source is different, but they have the same effect on the mm. range of your vehicle. Yeah, it does. Lots to learn about owning an EV. That is why we have two bikes talking electric cars. Do I need tissues? <laughs> well, uh, look, I'm I'm happy with my Mercedes Benz. Okay. Uh, it appears, though, if if we're to believe the the story that appeared in Top Gear recently, mm. that Mercedes Benz are thinking of dropping the EQ badging, mm. and which also, has been there since the get go. EQ C was the first one. Yeah, but they're also and look, I've got to say, I love the look of my car. It is has been a little divisive with uh, some fans right. that think it's, I think what they call it a lozenge, the lozenge-shaped car. Well, it's all about aerodynamics, it's, Well, it? that's exactly it. Mercedes-Benz designed the EQ range to be aerodynamic. Started with the EQS, EQE, uh, and we're seeing that in their SUV line. But in terms of the sedans, which is what I own, I love the look of my car. Mm. But it appears that Mercedes-Benz, the uh, Top Gear, were, were talking to their head of car engineering, the VP of car engineering, 
and uh, they're saying that they're likely to have a rethink on the whole EQ Badging, badging and also the design of the car, which is, is right. which changes anyway. Design changes over the years anyway. Yeah. I think it's interesting because the badging confused me a little when they got to this point because yeah. the EQC was the first one, which was an SUV. Then there was, I think there was an EQB and an EQA, yeah, EQA which was smaller. Yeah. Then yeah. there was EQS, which was a big sedan. Yep. Your EQE, slightly smaller but still large sedan. Yep. So there was no delineation between the SUV and the sedans. Yeah, yeah. There is an EQE SUV, they but that's an add-on SUV. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it was, early on it was great. It was just, you know, we're going to have yeah. five cars and it's A, B, C, D, E kind of thing. Which is what they had before, E-class, C-class. Yeah. But, yeah. but it feels like they're going back to that now because yeah. in some markets, Mercedes-Benz, like a lot of companies, think they're going to go fully electric at some point, you know, 2030 yeah. or ever. Of course. So in some markets, they just want to have an E-class. An E-class. C-class. And that's just electric. Yeah. Yep. But, but it's not going to be everywhere and so they're going to need right. to name it properly and yeah. so we saw at CES the CLA concept yes. which I thought was CLA was the smaller C class but yeah. it seems like CLA appears to be the, the nomenclature the naming <laughs> that they seem to be looking the to go for. The naming conventions? Yeah. Yeah, well, it's interesting, and as far as I know, like Mercedes Benz appear to be the only one who, the only brand that's honest enough to actually come out and say that you know what, we're probably going to change it. We want it to be different. Yeah, I think it's. I think the boldness of this announcement yeah. isn't about the naming. It's no. about saying, you know what, yeah. we love the design. Yeah. You love the design. I love the design. But yeah, I think right. I think they probably got a lot of feedback from traditional hard because you remember Mercedes Benz like BMW. Yeah. Uh, are a family. It's like a loyalty thing to yeah. own multiple, yeah. as you did over the years. You know? yes. So yeah. I think that they probably got people going, it's not for me. Yeah. And so that feedback has made its way to head office. Of course. And they're going to essentially twist the, the branding back to traditional look because in the end, we talked about range earlier. Yeah. I'm not sure that you'd notice in a big way the difference in range if you had had your old style look with just a slightly tweaked, you know, yeah. like it's, it's it's percentages in the margins yeah, because they like promoting their drag coefficient and all these things. I think what we need to get back to is just let's design a car and, yeah. and accept that it's going to – like think about that Kia EV9. That's yeah. a big box. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure it's more aerodynamic than a Prado, but yes. it's still a big box. Yeah, but but this, this announcement though is sort of more – it's a little bit about performance, but it's more about the aesthetics. Yeah. And, and I'm thinking too, being an EV and like Mercedes-Benz, uh, my our, my kids used to tease me about the Mercedes-Benz is like an old man's car. Right. Mm. And the, the, the brand has sort of that traditional, that that, that kind of reputation yes. of being like a, an older person's car. Mm. Could it be that the appeal, this, this is sort of trying to appeal to the wrong market. This is more of an appeal to a younger Maybe. driver and those older customers are feeling a little bit, you know what? That's right. I think, quite I think the traditional made Mercedes yeah. customer who need to shell out the cash just want a Mercedes. Maybe. They don't want this fancy electric looking thing. They want yeah, the, yeah. I think they want the electric car yeah. without With more traditional it. look to it. They don't yeah. want to be driving around everyone going, oh, yeah. they, just want a, yeah. they just want a fancy Although, car with a big star on the people front. People ask me, they say, they see them, that's the first thing they see before the EQE badge. They mm. see the Mercedes and yeah. they go, oh, is that, is that, they ask me, is that, a, is that fully yes. electric? Yeah, 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 yeah. They don't know. So look, there'll be some savvy people who think, oh, EQE, it's electric. Yeah. Others, most, I reckon, nine out of 10 people ask me, is that electric? Yeah. They wouldn't know anyway. 
Changes yeah. are coming, but all for the best. But I love the car. It's I not, love my car. It's not yeah. a walk away from electric. Let's be clear. No. Mercedes is yeah, essentially still doubling in, down still by, involved, by yeah. focusing themselves on this. Completely. Working out what they want to do with the next generation of Mercedes electric cars. Details, and if you want to get in touch with Stephen, Stephen Fennick, uh, techguy.com.au, and you can get in touch with me at eftm.com. Now, Stephen, we made a uh, strong commitment when we started this show that it wouldn't just be us two blokes. While Two Blokes Talking Tech is just Stephen and Trevor. Exclusively just you and me, but not this one. There'll be interviews. There'll be yes. a lot of lot of things to unpack about electric vehicles and electric cars over the many, many months ahead. But we also made a call out to people who yeah. own an electric car of any variety uh, to get in touch because we'd love to hear from you. Because I think hearing from average real people about yep. their ownership experience outside of your own you know couple of mates yep. makes a huge difference to Absolutely the experience right and uh, that's what we did before we drove we we listened to our own advice but we also were hearing from others spot on and so on the line is graham graham g'day mate hey thanks for joining us g'day Trevor. how are you going yeah really good now graham tell us what you own and what you're driving and how electric it really is so we've uh, dipped into the, the Cooper world like yourself and now uh, get ourselves a Cooper for Mentor uh, PHEV. So it's a plug-in hybrid. Um, had it for about um, three months now and, uh, yeah, loving every minute of it. Uh, Graham, Stephen here. Uh, so what what, uh, what what drew you to the brand? It wasn't because of Trevor, was it, that, that you went to Cooper? It was hopefully well, a good Well, I have to admit sense. that, um, that, that, that Trevor's uh, continual talking about the Cooper did uh, sort oh. of uh, make me have a bit of a closer look at it. Okay. But uh, we had uh, we actually had a RAV4 hybrid on order, but uh, that was a two-year wait, and we didn't oh. want to wait that long. Saw the Cupra and um, thought, well, we better go and check it out. And, uh, yeah, once I saw it, I fell in love with it. Now, is this the first vehicle of any electrification you've had, or have you had hybrids before? No, no, this is the first uh, first of any electrification whatsoever. Now, I think critical to that then is how electric is it? Like how much range do you get from the battery? So they quote about 60 k's on battery. In reality, you probably get about 45 k's depending how you drive on the battery. Uh, my wife mainly drives it, so she drives to and from uh, from our place, you know, where we live, from uh, up to Castle Hill, so it's only a few kilometres each day. So during the week, she's 100% electric. We've got solar and Tesla batteries and things at home. So uh, for our normal daily commute, it's um, it's uh, full electric. Uh, and then uh, anything longer than that, it seamlessly transitions over to the petrol engine. So can I ask, Graham, what, why didn't you go full EV? Were you a little a bit of range anxiety? What, what made you steer away from full EV? I'm just not ready to go that, that full EV step. I don't know if it's range anxiety so much more not having to think about planning the trip and planning your stops yeah. to charge and things. You can pretty much use it just like a traditional car, but get the benefits of having that um, EV component there. And, and for fuel economy, it, it averages about 2.4 litres per 100 kilometres when you take the electric and petrol in together. And so you have done, an outside of that, that city driving you talked about, you've, you've taken it for a spin in other places and had to have the petrol engine kick in. There's a clear... Uh, benefit there in the in the cost of running the car uh, overall. Oh, ab- absolutely. We've taken on a couple of good drives. We went down the south coast, so uh, about nine hours in total driving, uh, of which it was only uh, we we had it in hybrid all the way, and um, yeah, it averaged just just over uh, well, on that drive about four kil- liters per hundred kilometers. Wow. So still uh, still pretty good, even though uh, the majority of that trip was on petrol. Okay, Graham, put your reviewers hat on. 
Uh, we're going to talk about what you like about the car, what you don't like about the car. First of all, what are the things you love about the car? It's just a, a beautiful car to drive. It's uh, it's it's a very sporty car. It's uh, it goes well. You put it into Cooper mode, and it's um, it, it's a very sporty car. But you can drive it very uh, very easily as well if you want to. If you want to put it in comfort mode, quiet, um, and yeah, just just well finished and a really nice car to drive. Mm. Yeah. O- opposite to that, what do you, what the feedback you give to Cupra um, on on the car itself? Well, like a lot of modern cars, there's zero uh, spare tyre. So uh, mm. uh, in, in Australia, I really don't like that, but it's becoming more common. Uh, a little bit small inside as far as um, boot space and uh, just internal uh, uh, compared to with the previous RAV4 that we've had, it's a little bit small. Um, some of the, uh, like the wireless Apple CarPlay, I find a little bit clunky sometimes. It's um, a bit difficult to connect or it disconnects and reconnects. Plus, the uh, the wireless charging for my iPhone is a bit uh, clunky, so we've ended up putting cables in. But overall, I'm pretty impressed with the whole package. From a plug-in hybrid, a FEV, PHEV perspective, what do, do you think this is a great um, I guess, on board for people into a more fuel-efficient fuel world? Because it feels like, to me, it's a step that many people are, are skipping or not even considering. Yeah, I think it's it's the natural step. Obviously, with the, the government announcements, whether you agree with them or not, just recently around fuel efficiency, mm. it puts you already into that world. Um, it, it is a good uh, stepping stone. and we, we still don't really know exactly where the EV world's going to go in the future. So I think uh, for people who are considering moving to that world but haven't quite uh, decided to make the move yet, then I think a, a plug-in is the ideal way to go because you really get the best of both worlds. Has the car drawn any uh, admiring glances from friends and family Mate, and other people? It's a Cooper, of course know, it does. Have, have other people <laughs> been... Lots and lots. <laughs> have they been influenced by your purchase? Are they thinking about perhaps sort of getting into the, the, the plug-in hybrid or perhaps an EV? Yeah, actually, a couple of people have. Um, most people, the, the first thing they say, what's a Cupra? As Chris has probably already found as <laughs> yep, well. Yep. Um, but um, but those who've seen it and see what, what a beautiful car it actually is, and then they start to think about it, particularly if they have been in that sort of RAV4 traditional hybrid market before. Mm, yep. I know two people in particular who have decided to uh, to have a look uh, more closely at the Cupra and put that on their list to consider when they hadn't previously. You mentioned, Graham, that your wife, uh, mm. your wife had some influence in the purchase here. Does she drive the car as much as you, or is it your car? No, it's pretty much her car. I drive ah. it whenever I can because um, I uh, I drive a V8 Land Cruiser normally. Just so say, quite a short and cheese comparison. Something far worse. <laughs> <laughs> I don't listen, Graham. I don't okay. think those credits are being offset there, brother. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my carbon footprint's bigger than hers. But, um, <laughs> no, the, the, no, d- no does, I, I try and drive it because it's beautiful. Okay. Just finally, does your? I mean, we don't know anything about your wife, but does does your wife buy into now this kind of plug-in hybrid space? Has it converted her or anyone else in, around you in just in that pure plug-in hybrid? Because that's a vastly different place to the traditional hybrid. Yeah, it was a little bit of a conversion process because she's, she's not very techie. She doesn't really uh, like things that are complex, but mm. um, we've we put the charger in at home. Um, that was probably one of the other negatives is that uh, 
I put in a, a great big 22 kilowatt three phase charger only yeah, to find that only chips three and a half kilowatts. Oh, is that all three and a half? <laughs> is that all? It's, oh, it's a plug-in yeah. hybrid. You just need a trickle charger. You yes. just need a granny charger. Yes. Okay. Yes. So yeah. even even though I've got a 22 kilowatt charger plugged into it, it still takes six hours from, from empty <laughs> to charge. That's probably oh. another bit of feedback for Cooper. But, but th- other than that, um, think of your she's, next car. She's well and truly used to it. Your next well, car, you'll charge the, the hell out yeah. of that one. Is that? Are you in a position like you got your V8 Land Cruiser? Are you any closer to getting your next car being in? An EV, or are you still going to be uh, a V8 man? I'm, to- I'm towing three tons of caravan and a few things around the country. We're not quite there yet, but okay. um, my uh, my daughter's just about to take delivery of with the new Model Three. So ah. I thought, uh, well, she'll she'll obviously want to come and visit us. More I was just going to say, guess where she's going to charge? <laughs> Dad's charger, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, that's correct. right. Oh, brilliant stuff. All right, Graham. That's great insight from a, a plug-in hybrid electric vehicle owner, and we appreciate you getting in touch, mate. No problems. Two Blokes Talking Electric Cars is proudly supported by Uniden, and they've just released the Uniden Dashview 60 Plus. This is their first 5K resolution what? dash cam. 5K, even more detail. 150-degree wide-angle front-facing camera as well. It's got the Sony Starvis sensor. That means a lot because... It works well during the day, during the night, all types of lighting conditions. That's the whole idea of having a dash cam so I can record everything that happens on the road and now in 5K resolution. So check that out, the the dash view range. There are others. There's also the iGo cam range as well. Uh, Uniden has got you covered on the road for all your dash cam needs. Well, it's good to hear from Graham. I, I love the idea of talking to plug-in hybrid yeah. owners, and there are a bunch of great ones out there. One of my favourites is the Mitsubishi Outlander, I think, comes in a plug-in yeah. hybrid. It's a yeah. good-looking car. They do a great interior. Yeah. I want to get us into that soon because I think there's something special about having just a beautiful, well-equipped car yeah. that is a general badge like a Mercedes. I mean, Graham had a Cooper. That's different yeah. for people, but that that has that difference of being yeah. plug it in, get some range, and let's and, see how and, it drives. And most of the time, the, the battery portion does the job. Yeah, for them day to day. If you do it right, yeah. it can. Now, yeah. speaking of battery, you you drove the Volvo XC40, which yes. is, they call the pure electric, which is their way of saying it's XC40 not plug-in hybrid. XC40 recharge, yeah, yeah, um, they call it. A, a phenomenal yeah. little car. Tell me about it because yeah, I didn't well, get a chance, and I'm I'm keen. This is a a midsize SUV, yeah, uh, and a really really nicely appointed car. A really solid look and feel to it. I, I remember sitting in it for the first time. You felt, yeah, this is a car. This, it felt like anyone who's ever driven a Volvo before mm. still maintained the characteristics, the character of the well, car. We, just, we talked about Mercedes yeah. earlier. Yeah. That, that's important Absolutely. to buy this. Yeah. And I think you know, Volvo don't want to alienate their their, their customer base, mm. right? So this is, it, at the, just to look at it, you think you don't, it couldn't tell it's an EV. So no. it still has that traditional design. Yep. Beautiful appointment. Uh, nice big nine inch. They do a great well. fit and finish yeah, and really material nice, solid. Don't they? The word I keep coming back to is solid. Yeah. The clunk of the door, the 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 feel, really nice to drive. Yeah. Um, I, my wife particularly liked this car. I was going to ask yeah, yeah. because I feel like for you, yeah. that could be the perfect second I car. I said this to Joe. I said I reckon this could be your future car, and she drove it. She loved it and, and liked the look of it. 
Uh, like the like the feel of Where's it. Where's it priced? Uh, it starts at fifty five thousand, but it go, like goes up to about eighty five. So I think the model mm. I drove was I think about eighty eight thousand yeah. on the road. So it's it's up there. It's not your cheapest uh, no. SUV, but still you, you're getting all the features you'd expect. Like all oh, so many like being a Volvo, so many safety, safety features God, is yeah. incredible. So that was with the God. Remember backing out of my mum's driveway and it uh, beep beep beep, and you know it, it prevented me from driving backwards any further. Yeah. Uh, so all those features you'd expect. If you it's zero to one hundred four point eight seconds. So if you Amazing. need to get ahead of the traffic, you, you've got the power yep. there. Range of about four hundred eighty to five hundred k's. Which that's is, in the zone. Which is really that, that's I think of, of appeal as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's got a it's got a the capacity of the battery. I think is seventy. It's an eighty two kilowatt battery. I think mm-hmm. from here. Um, so it, it's got twenty inch uh, twenty inch wheels. Uh, twin electric motors too. So, Does it uh, run front and back like the Polestar, the Google infotainment it system? It does. Yeah, I was getting to that. It's interesting because uh, I'm using when I, when I was driving it, I was using the Samsung S24 Ultra, so Android phone, right? And I'm thinking, oh, Android Auto. Mm. Uh, guess what? No Android Auto. It's got it's because it's Google. It's system. called Android Automotive. Yeah. So you get. You get maps and you get yeah. this and you get that. It's and like you they don't say get you the don't need your experience. phone. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't give you, like, yeah, if messages come through, you, you can't answer them because there's no Android Auto. Oh. But CarPlay is there. If you've got an iPhone, CarPlay, fantastic. So to have to connect a cable, though. Just to be clear, when we drive these cars, we get them for a week, maybe two. Yep. Um, and, and you're not the owner of the car. We try no. where we can to log into them. And often I find I'm the first person ever to do that because yeah. a lot of the other, with respect, the other motoring journos aren't testing logging in and what the app's yeah, like and all that I, stuff. I've, I connected my phone and did all I, of that, yeah. But but what we don't do is we don't get a, a proper, like if we didn't buy the car, they don't give you a full handover. So I wonder, I'd love yeah. to hear from a Volvo Android automotive yeah. owner or Polestar. I got, I got the handover. Greg, yeah, but shout out to Greg I, from I want to know whether or not me. if you properly integrate yeah. your phone, there is advantages that you don't need Android Auto. Yeah. So I just wonder whether there's a bigger well, link that you can I make. I was able to, like, I do the basics still. I, I still was able to play podcasts. I know, but I shouldn't you be able, able to, to install those phone. apps? Can you install those? Yeah. The things I want to know from yeah. owners are, can you install the apps that are Android Auto compatible? Yeah. Um, well, Google can, Maps is there anyway. So yeah. I'm talking about the other ones. Yeah. So yeah. Can, are there things that you can link from your phone that actually make that process easier? I do want to understand yeah. because I think that is a negative. I think not having Android Auto yeah, is a negative. It should be there. I think being uh, being an Android system, that like Android Auto should be their pr- the pride of the pro- of a product. Yeah. Put it out there. Like mm. make it make it as good as CarPlay. Like so the before I bag yeah. it. I want yeah. to hear from owners who are in, yeah. on Android phones and Android automotive cars. Yeah. What do you believe in the experience, assuming you've used Android Auto on other cars? Yeah, and, and got it like, it's got Harman Kardon an audio system, digital yeah. radio, Bluetooth, all of that, nine-inch vertical display, which is really good, touchscreen, uh, and... and uh, like I, I really enjoy driving. It's I, a, mate, you know I, what? Yeah. It's, it's a got great the three sixty degree too. camera when you're parking. It's really so you can see how close you are to the gutter, how close you are to the it's pole. A very you're important thing for Stephen. How close yeah. you are to the gutter. Well, I don't want to scrape the rims. You see, right? You want to see that, that top down view, which is handy when you're parking and you can see how far yeah. you are from the other you car. You know what I miss? You know, I miss when my kids were younger and the top down view. I used to call the drone view. Stick your head out. No, no. They they used to think when we <laughs> first got the carnival. They used to think there was a drone that came up and would fly above the car. Is that what they thought? Okay, yeah. Oh, right, mate, nice. I convinced them. Okay. 
it's really good. The 360 view is really good. I I like that. Yeah, but no, all in all, I really enjoyed it. The XC40 twin twin motors. Uh, It is 82 kilowatt battery. Uh, and let's zero a hundred four point eight. Not bad. I don't know that we'll get to the process of really documenting this, but if you had to give it an out of ten, where, oh, where mate, would you put I'd, it? I'd give this a solid eight point five. It's a yeah, really nice so car. I think it is a uh, well put together vehicle. Looks nice. Drives really well. The tech inside it's great. Good range. Great performance. Ticks all over the place. Uh, I really enjoyed the car. Two blokes talking electric cars. All right, Stephen, that's a wrap. Another show in the can. If you've got feedback about two blokes talking electric cars, send it to Stephen because he takes it better than I do. Um, <laughs> Good feedback. We were. <laughs> I, I got a thick Constructive skin. Constructive feedback. I got a thick skin, but not to negative feedback. Yeah. Uh, we'd love your rating and review on two blokes talking electric cars on Spotify or Apple Podcasts if you're listening directly through the podcast. If you're listening as part of the two blokes talking tech feed, thank you and welcome Thanks to the for show. Your support. Thank you. More importantly, to uh, NRMA Insurance and Union and Smart Dash Cams, and hopefully you support the companies that support us as we bring you yet another podcast here for Two Blokes Talking Tech. Uh, two Blokes Talking Electric Cars. Electric Cars, actually. Yes, that's, that's correct. Us, yeah. Two Blokes Talking Tech. We are, yeah, about. that's us. Yeah. We've we'll been be doing that for quite a while. A little while, yeah. We're, we've, we've been at this for a bit. <laughs> we'll be back again next week, Steve, and I look forward to seeing you then, mate. See you then, buddy.